Welcome to ENN Radio, a weekly podcast from Elon News Network that brings you the stories behind the stories. I'm Alex Hager. In just a few weeks, it'll be time for SGA elections, and Elon will be voting on a new student body president. You may have seen it on the cover of the pendulum this week, but we profiled both of the candidates in that race, Jack Johnson and Nate Jones. Joining us now to talk about them and give us a little bit more background on the presidential candidates is our politics editor and SGA guru, Maggie Brown. Maggie, thanks for coming in the studio. Thanks for having me, Alex. So Maggie, let's learn a little bit about these candidates. Let's start with Jack Johnson. What's he campaigning on? Sure. So Jack Johnson is the current executive student body secretary. Um, So he was a senator before and he rose up to the position of executive um, secretary. And now he's going to try to run for president. Um, He's campaigning on a lot of SGA's values that they already have right now. He wants to carry a lot of what Kenneth has already done. Um, He headed the One Phoenix Committee, which is SGA's programming committee. So he wants to increase school spirit, um, help plan a lot more events. Um, He is really looking into doing more with diversity and um, working with all organizations across campus and using up SGA's funds to do so. Now let's take a look at the other guy. The other candidate is Nate Jones. What is he running on? Yeah, so Nate Jones is a philosophy major and leadership fellow. Um, He was a senator in SGA for a semester, but he's been abroad a lot, so he hasn't had a full term in SGA. Um, He's kind of an unexpected candidate, and he has a very interesting platform. He wants to um, talk more about um, Elon University as a whole and bring more people in the conversations that SGA is having. He wants to take a complete look at the SGA constitution. Um, He wants to look more at the new budget model and he wants to completely rework it. Um, He has some pretty ambitious goals that'll be very exciting to hear about in his speech that comes out on Friday. It sounds like both of these guys have pretty ambitious plans, but at the end of the day, it's, it's student government. I mean, does SGA actually wield enough power that these guys can come in with an agenda and, and actually do anything that will affect the student body? I think they can because through the student activity funds and um, through the budget that SGA has for their special projects, it's pretty much left up to the discretion of the executive board, and they work with student life every week. Um, if the provost office or if the president's office wants to look for a student voice, they're going to turn first to SGA. For example, in the in the provost search. They have people in SGA on that. If they're looking for new counselors to hire on campus, they're going to turn to SGA for a voice for that. So I think that they do have a pretty big impact on our campus. And I think that they do have a lot of money to spend and they have a good opportunity to use it. So I think that um, every time new leadership turns over, it's a pretty good opportunity. Now, we know who the candidates are, but I'm curious now, what are their odds? Who's the favorite in this race and how likely is either of them to win it? So Jack Johnson definitely has an advantage with name recognition. He's been on SGA for a while. He's a familiar face on campus, and he is really good at campaigning. He has posters everywhere. He makes it a point to go to as many student organizations as possible, and especially go to um, IFC, or Greek Life Organization, meetings. Um, But uh, Nate Jones, he is new. He... um, speaks a lot. He does a lot of public speaking. He is definitely um, runs in the circles of people who are advocating for minority groups. And I think that it's going to be a very interesting race. I think it's kind of impossible to tell right now. And I know for our website, the Nate Jones article got more traffic, which is really interesting. Well, we will definitely be keeping our eyes on this race as it plays out. And you can follow Maggie and the rest of the politics team's coverage on elonnewsnetwork.com. Those elections are on March 13th and 14th, so keep your eyes tuned to our website. Maggie, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, Alex.
You hear a lot about climate change from it isn't real or that if we don't take action now, the damage will be irreversible. And the numbers show North Carolinians do find climate change to be a real issue that the state is facing. In a report done by Elon Pohl after Hurricane Florence, the survey found that 52% of North Carolina voters think it is very likely that climate change will affect coastal communities within the next 50 years. With Renew GSO, Jess Push and Elon Sr. is doing something about it. We are community members in these areas, and so it's always important for us to be conscious of what's going on and how we impact that. And secondly, if we do not commit to 100% renewable energy, and or make that transition in the near future, there will be very significant environmental impacts. Renew GSO is a part of a larger Renew NC, a grassroots campaign dedicated to getting cities to commit to renewable energy. The campaign, which is mostly led by students, has drafted a resolution for Greensboro Sustainability Council that outlines how the city can commit to renewable energy. Push says that people should be concerned about how they get their energy. When we burn fossil fuels like coal, we're producing greenhouse gas emissions, and these greenhouse gas emissions are uh, what are responsible for global climate change. So they get trapped in our atmosphere, and they contribute to the warming of our uh, global environment, which then affects local and national environments in different ways. So it's really vital that we pay attention to that and also to our responsibility to the global um, community right now that is on the brink of massive environmental devastation. Climate change policy is being debated at the national level with resolutions like the Green New Deal in the U.S. House. North Carolina Governor Roy Cooper testified in front of a congressional committee asking for federal aid to fight climate change. With federal solutions in mind, Aaron Sparks, an Elon political science professor who researches environmental policy, says that climate change policy is welcome at any level, but federal policy would be more effective at solving this global issue. Cities can learn from other cities, states can learn from other states and see what is effective and what isn't. Um, And it's sort of maybe a cliche in political science, but we say the the states are the laboratory of democracy. So um, having states and and cities experiment with policies is um, a good thing. Senior Cassandra Provencher says that Elon students from any major can get involved with fighting climate change through sustainable activities. She's hosting a climate change and human rights panel on March 12th to get students more involved. By having a panel, so we have different faculty from campus in different disciplines and in different schools, like within the university, and then we also have community members coming in talking about their businesses um, and how those kind of concepts have all come together to impact them. Um, So just kind of showing that the diversity of climate change is going to become increasingly prevalent in the future. Mackenzie Wilkes, ENN Radio. It is March, and for college basketball fans, that means one thing. It is tournament time, and the Colonial Athletic Association is no different. For the Elon men's and women's teams, they're heading to their tournaments this week. So we've got sports director Jack Haley in the booth with us to get a sense of what we can expect. Jack, thanks for coming on. Alex, thank you for having me. Well, the women's team is heading to their tournament on Wednesday up in Delaware, and they're not doing so hot. This is a team that won the last two CAA tournaments, but now they're almost at the bottom of the conference. What's, what's going wrong? I think the biggest thing is the absence of Lexi Mercer, and she's still playing, uh, but just not producing for the team the way they need her to. Um, Her really falling off, she's the catalyst for this offense, and it has just not been really prevalent in the last 
half dozen games or so. Uh, so they've really had to struggle for some baskets. What else is going wrong for them? I mean, with a record like they have, it can't just be one player's shortcomings there. I mean, what's falling apart on on the greater team spectrum here? Absolutely. I think the biggest thing is the youth of the team. That has been the story the entire year, and it has been in the past as well. Um, But with Lexi Mercer being the only upperclassman, she's the only junior, and they have no seniors on the team uh, to really try and anchor this. In the past, you've had the Shea Burnett's, the Mimi Garners of the team that are able to anchor this youth, um, but with Lexi trying to figure out on the court, uh, obviously we, we can't be in the locker room to find out what's going on in there, but uh, you really are starting to see the youth of this team show. And now shifting over to talk about the men's team a little bit, their storyline is totally different. After a little bit of a lackluster regular season, they're playing some of their best basketball all year in this final stretch here. What's been working for them? Absolutely, they really are. The last uh, two weeks or so, they won three of their four games going into the tournament, two on the road to finish off the year, a really strong finish. And you have to start with uh, senior guard Steven Santa Ana. In his last game of the year against Townsend, he scored a career-high 34 points, got tabbed as the mid-major player of the week nationally, which is a huge honor, CAA player of the week, uh, down the stretch, the offense really has started and ended with him. They're going to be heading in to take on some stiff competition in this CAA tournament. They can't just rely on Steven Santa Ana to be producing for them. What is going to have to go right for the Phoenix if they want to be competitive and go a few rounds down in Charleston? Absolutely. I mean, the the person you automatically think of is you need to look for Tyler Sebring to get ready, his fellow senior. Um, for if they are both clicking, I really do believe they can compete with just about anyone in the conference. Um, but then you look at other places. Players like Andy Pack, a freshman, has really stepped up in these uh, last few games. Sheldon Eberhardt is a name to be reckoned with. There are a lot of guys that can produce. I just I think it's a question of if they will. Well, we will be keeping our eyes on both of those tournaments here at Elon News Network. Jack is going to be heading down to Charleston tomorrow to cover the men and up to Delaware on Wednesday to cover the women's tournament. Keep your eyes on elonnewsnetwork.com for all of our coverage there. Jack, thanks for coming on the show. Alex, thank you for having me. That'll do it for this week's episode of ENN Radio. Thanks for tuning in. Remember to check out elonnewsnetwork.com for all the news you need to know when we're not on the air. You can catch our weekly television broadcasts on Monday nights at 6 and pick up a copy of The Pendulum on Wednesday mornings. We'll be back next week with more stories from campus and beyond. In the meantime, subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud. Just search for ENN Radio. I'm Alex Hager. Have a great weekend.